Welcome to Healthcare Happenings, a One Digital Employer Advisory Podcast. It's no secret that healthcare is complicated and to prepare for the road ahead, business leaders need transparency and access to information in order to develop the best health benefit strategy. Our team of compliance leaders are here to shed light on the latest developments on the Hill and share their collective vision for ways to improve the healthcare experience. Welcome to Healthcare Happenings. I'm your host, Annette Bechtold, and I'm joined by our regular team, Scott Wayam, Ron Bargatze, Samantha Molliver. And um, right now we're going to kind of pull out our crystal ball and talk about what we think is on the horizon for 2022. What do employers have to consider? You know, it's been another unusual year, to say the least, and that's, you know, behind us now or, you know, at least it's been an uncustomary year. I don't even know what customary maybe is anymore. And it's, it, will there be anything that we anticipated? But, you know, as employers think about 2022, I want us to kind of highlight some, what, is, what do we say, think some of the biggest items are? Um, not that we might have all the answers, but what do we think is going to be addressed? What will be big topics of issue coming up? So I'll just kind of throw it out to the floor. And, you know, where do you guys want to start? What do you think are some of the big, big ticket items? Yeah, so I think I think first and foremost, companies are still going to be looking at another year of a shifting workforce dynamic. Um, you know, where I live in the Northeast right now, uh, we're looking at data again, and the case counts don't look great. And you know, there are parts of my home state of Pennsylvania that are that are experiencing significant increases in COVID cases. And um, I'm not I'm not suggesting that there's a chance we go back to where we were in 2020, but there still is there's still it just it's just a reminder that we're still in a very unpredictable time. And the longer that this goes on, the more pressure. Uh, is going to be placed on the workforce dynamic between the employer and the employee. And, you know, I think a lot of the coverage in 2021 has been on a newfound leverage that employees have. But I could see if if if, um, if the economy takes a, another significant hit or if we if we fall on harder times, that that pendulum swinging back the other way and uh, and employers potentially having having a little bit more leverage in this conversation than they had in 2021. Um, I, I'm I'm one of those people where if you ask me, what do I, where do I think we are in this? I think we're we're probably at nearing the end of the beginning as opposed to the end. Uh, so. So I'm anticipating uh, a more pressure, enhanced pressure in 2022 on this dynamic, and employers are going to have to really um, invest time and resources into getting to understand their employees, getting to understand what's motivating them, getting to understand, you know, how do I keep the good ones? How do I how do I attract better ones? And and uh, and it, 2022 is going to be another year of, of challenges on that front. Scott, let me build on that just a little bit, because your point about <clears throat> the effects of COVID, uh, where, where they certainly changed work, I think they also taught us about some work situations. And so if we look at the surveys going forward, <clears throat> post-pandemic, there's going to be a lot of interest with employees wanting to have some flexibility to work from home. And so if I'm an employer and I look at things like, uh, you know, how to relieve high stress, how to be more accommodating and how to retain those employees that I want, I think I want to have in my arsenal the ability to be flexible with those positions that can be just as efficient at home 
as they are at work. And if I can give that employee that additional flexibility, even if it's one day a week, then I think I think that's something that that will uh, outlast COVID. Ron, I think that's a really good point. And, and you know, my 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 opening salvo there was a little bit of doom and gloom with another year of of dealing with some of these challenge challenges. But there's also yes, an upside. <laughs> there's also there's also an upside. Uh, there's also an upside opportunity where employers have have learned a lot of new skills over the past two years. And these new skills have the opportunity to, even in a post-pandemic world, increase the efficiency, increase the overall happiness. You know, as much as I as much as I complain about being on Zoom calls, being on Zoom calls is better than driving seven hours across the state of Pennsylvania back and forth in a single day to see one client. Where now we all have a comfort level of being able to do calls virtually. My efficiency has increased. The need to be in the car for for hours at a day has been has, has been decreased. So this might be something we keep even in a post-pandemic world, just because it seems to work. It seems to it seems to uh, uh, increase efficiency. So that's something we might keep. Um, similarly, similarly, you know, we, we've had a lot of success with flex time and employees being able to flex their hours. That might be something even in a post pandemic world that we keep because it, it seems to keep people happy and productive. And, you know, so there are you know, businesses will have the opportunity to look critically at how they've navigated these challenges, how they've been ingenious in many ways in getting through uh, some really difficult situations and saying, well, what can we keep? I mean, what what's good? What do we learn uh, that improves our business function? So there is opportunity yeah. here as well. Yeah. And, and I like that you're highlighting the employers, but I want to, I want to go back to, to the employees because as an individual, they learned a lot too. Like what was I missing to your point? What, what's all the quality of life things I was missing it's really, t- uh, I've talked to so many people um, who've kind of, who are looking at things in a different way. Do I want to do, do I even want to do that? Do I want to live that kind of life again? And maybe even feel like they have the permission to question it. You know what? I didn't think before. I mean, what the, they said I had to show up nine to five every day. Okay, that's how it goes. Like, I didn't think I had any sort of negotiating power. And now I think that changes. Sam, I know that you're hiring people too. And, um, you know, over the past, you know, six months, et cetera, maybe a year, you've been hiring. What kind of changes have you seen in that the either, you know, posting and replies to jobs and what people are looking for? I think it's becoming more of a norm or kind of expected that there is some type of remote work involved with the position. And I think a lot of it just goes back to, I mean, we've been doing this, what, since 2020, going into 2022, over two years of being able to, you know, adequately or even better do our jobs in the comforts of our own home or kind of on our own time. So I think it would be hard pressed for employers to make a dramatic shift and make everybody go back into the office when, especially like for millennials, uh, to be like, I'm capable, fully capable of doing my work at home. We have all these different technology tools that, I mean, I'm kind of like in person when you can see me on camera, you know, via Zoom or Skype, et cetera. Um, And I think it also kind of goes back to, you know, we talked in 2021 on the well-being about, you know, burnout and stress and being able to have a little bit more flexibility, you know, can help alleviate that. And I mean, I feel like we're in Groundhog's Day constantly with a new variant and like, you know, what day is it anymore? I mean, the stress and like 
the constant, you know, coming at you from the media of like, you know, about COVID, stress is not and burnout is not going to go down at any time soon. You know what, you bring up something, and I, I never thought about it until you just said this, that this has been a time of instability, right, for everybody. I don't know what day it is. I don't, what am I supposed to be doing? And really, when you think about it, that causes a lot of stress to people. But if I could work from home and I can count on that and I know I can be productive, there is my stability in this unstable time. So really interesting thought. I hadn't, I never considered it from that, but that could be one of the big pieces that, that people are looking for. I love it. Okay. So outside of this employee and work dynamics, what else do you think is on the radar for the employers? Well, if, if Scott was a doomsayer, I'll have to be the Grinch on this one. Um, <laughs> inflation, it, you know, it's it's in the forefront and, and it's hitting individuals, it's hitting businesses and talking about people where sales are going up and margins are going down. And uh, there are several contributors to inflation. And I think supply chain issues are part of it, demands are part of it. But, but one... <clears throat> one truth that that we have to recognize that we're going to deal with and is and is as eviscerating as healthcare costs have been over the last 20 years i'm afraid that the inflation is going to hit healthcare benefits and delivery and cost even harder than it is some of the other goods and services and the reason is is because if you begin to do the analysis as to uh <clears throat> some of the inflationary factors. First of all, people are getting raises and people are doing, uh, being able to negotiate higher incomes and those kinds of things. And you correlate that with the service that it affects. Healthcare is very people intensive. And so I think this inflation, as we see in salaries and those kinds of things, just can't escape it. We, we can't escape it in the healthcare industry. And so we're going to have to be much more diligent at looking at alternative strategies and how we deal with that, particularly as it relates to the cost of the employee trying to provide benefits to the employees and trying to balance that cost sharing strategy between the employer, what they pay and the employees, what they pay. We may have to go back to the days of much smaller networks where uh, we can get to the managed care issues that much more dramatically. So I think we're going to see the evolution of those kinds of things. And I hope I'm wrong, but I think inflation is going to hit healthcare harder than it does a lot of other services. Yeah, I agree with that, Ron. I think that employers are going to be have to be looking at different ways or alternative strategies of how they're going to provide benefits for their employees. I mean, maybe it's they're looking at more kind of account-based plans where they can have better control over their cost spend. Um, or maybe it's something that they look at offering alternative, different, innovative benefits outside of, you know, the standard package that they often give. I agree. I, I also think that there's going to be I, I, there's going to be a pressure on um, on companies to really educate their employees regarding their retirement benefits. Um, I think that you know if you if you look at what how the markets behave the past few months, if you if you look into 2022 and see the the potential for some significant volatility in the market, 
there's the opportunity for people to make a lot of rash decisions, to make a lot of short-sighted decisions, to miss the opportunity over the long term to to uh, accrue wealth for retirement um, and panic and 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 cut contributions. So um, I think that that one of the things that uh, employers should consider doing is really uh, leveraging their 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 401k advisor, the retirement advisor. And getting them in front of employees to to remind them and educate them on long-term strategies and, and, and planning for retirement and how to handle volatility. Because you just hear a lot of concern in employee populations today over, oh my gosh, you know, I'm should I take my money out of the market? Should I do X or Y? And while I'm certainly not a financial advisor, I I I think that that's going to be something that um, might be an enhanced area of focus in 2022. And, and frankly, I think the pressure is going to be on the healthcare consultants, people like us, to be able to understand healthcare demand more than we have in the past. Uh, uh, you know, I think in that last time we talked, we looked at these surveys where, okay, it's true, 10 or 15% of the people say that they have trouble meeting the deductible in their healthcare policy. Yeah. But, but, <clears throat> You know, the other side of that was that 70 percent said they weren't. And so we need to understand what creates those dynamics and what are the common denominators that that so that we can begin to address the issues of those that struggle and then allow others that that may not more flexibility in other areas where they need it. That's going to be challenging. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, a great place for employers to begin is really understanding what is your what what is your population? What are their needs? What can they afford? What can they not afford? What are the dynamics there? Um, and I think oftentimes uh, the employer takes that burden on their shoulders, you know, and has for a long time. And I'm not sure if they all sit down and really say, okay, here's the deal. Like, let's have a conversation just about healthcare costs and needs and what do you all need? Like, I don't want, I'm happy to contribute, but I want it to be something meaningful. And yeah, spending an inordinate amount of money for people who aren't using benefits doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, especially in this, you know, if these costs continue to escalate as, or or might be much higher as you indicated. Yeah, you're exactly right. And so so what are some of the things that make me rethink when we talk in that context? You know, first of all, the idea that you just pointed out where 50 percent of individuals probably don't use more than two hundred dollars or more a year in healthcare cost. That's half the population. Eight percent really consume and drive the healthcare cost on an annual basis. Uh, we, you know, our, we look at these programs that help people that have multiple choice of uh products choose the product and they and it's solely based on the expectation of having a claim in the following year it doesn't take into account things like cash flow needs comfort needs the 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 other kinds of issues so we're going to have to expand how we try to understand what we need to do to satisfy the demands of the employee and the employer yeah, I love that, Ron. And that is uh, beyond, I mean, I feel like we're taking it beyond step one now. Now we have to look much more holistically and include things like um, a farther look forward to their finance, again, the financial well being piece of individuals and 
and into retirement, Scott. I think that's really important to your point. Good. Um, okay, so we've got uh, you know this change in dynamics of the workforce. We've got this increase in healthcare costs and coming up with different solutions and looking toward those for 2022. And what does that mean? Um, what else is on the list that, that we need to kind of draw attention to? So I think kind of, you know, the bigger things would just be regulatory items that are likely to come out in 2022. Um, the big one, I'm sure on everybody's mind, is OSHA's emergency temporary standard related to the COVID-19 vaccination and testing. Um, yeah. I guess like the latest thing from that is back in December, um, the stay was lifted. Um, so that means that the ETS is back in effect. Um, and I think there was a... A delay right uh, until February 9th, originally January 4th, to begin testing of employees who are not fully vaccinated. Um, so, probably from that standpoint, it'll be interesting to see again how it goes through the courts. Um, Yeah, for sure. I think that the courts are a big issue. And then OSHA coming out and saying, well, but and then we'll work with people. And so, you know what I mean? So, they're sort of like not being the iron fist about it and and trying to figure out and and work toward things. So I think just following that along, I agree, is huge. What else in that? There's a bunch more in that regulatory bucket, right? Oh, yeah. And the regulatory kind of field, looking a lot more probably at transparency requirements. Um, Back in 2020, right with the Consolidation Appropriations Act, um, there were a lot of requirements related to transparency and coverage for the health plan or the health insurance. And I think that this will follow suit on that and build off of prescription drug transparency. Those requirements that'll come from that and who needs to do the reporting, what does that look like? How can we help our employers comply with that? Yeah, I agree. And then, and then the other thing too is, you know, with this build back better being, um, we're not building anything at the moment. <laughs> we're in limbo. Um, uh, we're back to the blueprints, apparently. Um, uh, you know, and and the fact that it might not come to fruition, or like you think, or maybe just uh, you know, an omnibus bill is always difficult because there's all with so much packed in there. There's always somebody who doesn't like something, right? So it makes it more difficult. Do they start to break it apart? Look at some different things. We don't even have a budget. Um, and there's a lot of speculation that we won't have one at all, that they'll use continuing resolutions out past midterm elections. And so that means there probably won't be an omnibus type uh, bill like this. So that could potentially play into things. But I have heard that, you know, prescription drugs is still a huge ticket item and being able to negotiate is something the Biden administration is really still it's on the forefront of something that they want to tackle. So, you know, I think we'll see more in that vein, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ron. Well, I, I, you probably should interrupt me because I probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> oh, I, I think we need to interrupt them then. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there, there's an underlying theme here that that I said is worrisome for me, and it's the difference between passing legislation and solving problems. And so, as an example, I was with a, a business yesterday. They have 500 employees. They've got 34 to 40% of them that are not vaccinated. Of those in each area, there are at least 20% of their employees that have critical functions within the organization. 
they will not get vaccinated. So to mandate the vaccination or have them go with no alternative, this individual company said, we'll go out of business because we're going to lose those people. Now, I'm not saying that's easy, but in the same issue with the Medicare and the drug you know, negotiations, does that solve the problem or does it appear to just have a momentary uh, benefit to some on drug reductions? So I think that's what's going on a little bit with Build Back Better is, is let's try to focus on needs, priorities and those kinds of things. And I, and I think I'd like to see that improve as well. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I think everybody's well-intentioned and there's just lots of ideas about how to solve the problem, but not as much research into what are the long-term systemic effects of the, some of those fixes or so, so-called fixes, because there's so many other things that get that each item touches that might not be considered when you're quickly trying to, to move some of this stuff through. But yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point always. I mean, and, and organizations, uh, businesses deal with that same thing. Am I solving this problem or is this a band-aid or my exact in, in the efforts to do something good? Is it exacerbating the underlying issue? I think everybody is, struggles with that personally and professionally, right? Well, it, there's just been, I mean, throughout the pandemic, there's just been examples after the first month or so where the solutions that, that came were were useful three months before they came, but then when they show up, they, they're no longer useful, but they add a wrinkle of complexity and, um, and cost that, that doesn't seem to Ron's point be addressing the problem at hand. You know, when I think about Cobra subsidies, Cobra subsidies, Cobra subsidies were about a year late, um, to be, to be really useful, um, uh, for, for the individuals that were being offered them. Many of the individuals who were being offered COBRA subsidies, it wasn't really solving a COVID related problem. It was just, it was solving, uh, some other issues for that individual, but it wasn't really solving the problem that was intended to solve. You know, when I think about, when I think about the ETS, you know, if I was going to issue an ETS for, for vaccinations and, and, and facial coverings, the time to do it was in June of this past year, not in September, you know, when Delta was really spiking. What I think will be interesting to see, though, is regionally what the next month has in store and whether employers will be in a position to say, look, I can continue to to accommodate uh, and I can continue to to go without some some measures addressing individuals who are unvaccinated on the job site. Um, Take what I mean by that is take, for instance, you know, my clients in northeastern Pennsylvania right now where there are massive case spikes. The the quarantine rules are completely different for those who are vaccinated versus those who are unvaccinated. So if a company has a lot of exposures on site and they and they're and they're sending home people who are unvaccinated for 10 days when they're not when they're not required to send home individuals who are vaccinated until they manifest symptoms, whether that cost analysis becomes something that influences behavior and they say, forget about the ETS. I have to do something because I can't afford to keep sending people home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens. We're not there yet. We're, that hasn't occurred yet. And God, God willing, it doesn't happen. Yeah. But um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next month or so. I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling uh, this time next year, we'll be talking about COVID as endemic to the population and how to manage it as opposed to how to prevent it. I, I, Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, at the time of this recording, too, I mean, Pfizer's COVID treatment, 
uh, right. has just got authorized by the FDA. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays into this as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, it, it, we, we haven't solved anything for the people, but we have to, we have really raised one of the biggest things to watch for. And really, it's how it's going to hit you locally. And Scott, you bring up a good point. What are the best decisions you can make for your workforce? What's happening in your local area? What is your state saying? I think those are those are significantly important. Um and then, you know, and then the federal government beyond that. Right. But I think looking looking more internally, looking closer in first is going to be the best bet for, for most businesses. So, you know, so really kind of tackling this, thinking about and thinking forward about your workforce, what dynamics have you seen? What can you anticipate? And how might you do business differently? Or have you already learned those things? And what have you put in place that that resonates with workers? And then, you know, thinking about what are so and exploring with with whoever your advisor is on what do we do differently? What are some of the conversations we can start having um, collectively about some, you know, to battle some of the costs on the healthcare side? And then finally, you know, obviously just staying abreast, we're going to, we're going to continue to bring you episodes, this healthcare happenings podcast. We're going to be recording things that are imminent about all of these subjects. What's newest, what's the, the things that you should know. And we're going to do it in this venue so that you get quick snippets as things are happening. So look forward to, uh, to that from us in 2022. And with that, we wish everybody a very happy holiday season and a healthy and happy new year. Thanks for joining. And thank you all for tuning in. Staying on top of compliance today can be the source of great concern and frustration. Our dedicated team of attorneys and experts look around the corner on your behalf and deliver the tools, education, and resources needed to help you plan for the future and protect your employees and business every day. You can access additional resources, employer advisory sessions, and podcasts on our website, onedigital.com. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.